Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad. And I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. The following is a presentation of the Four Center podcast feed. From the center of the galaxy, this is the Four Center podcast feed. I'm Ken Napsock for another edition of News and Cues. And with me is this guy. Joseph Scrimshaw, the person that I am. It's having, Monday morning. We're having one of those days. 
<laughs> I won't, you, no, we're not going to start over. We're the force has willed it this way, has willed it to be. Uh, I, I'm, I'm back from vacation. We got a lot of business talk. I even thought uh, this is an episode that Joseph leads. No, this is the news and cues, which I got to take us through the beginning of it here. Uh, but we're happy to be here. It's been a wonderful time. And and Joseph, uh, this is our first episode recorded post the successful switch to Acast. We had a bunch of episodes taped and banked. This is the first in new in a new era. Yeah, this is great. We are getting back to normal. We are just launching into the normal with a slight stumble, but then we're going to hit our stride. I'm not normal yet. You know why? Because <laughs> I was at a hotel sleeping in for two days, and that can uh, that's a good living. And then you, you get back to recording and work. Uh, we are going to get into news, the good news, uh, the tough news. We're going to get into some some cues that are wow we got a deep one coming today that uh we're gonna put our star wars thinking caps on uh which includes our hearts on our sleeves uh before we get to all that we want to remind you today's podcast is brought to you by audible get a free audiobook download and a 30-day free trial at audibletrial.com slash force center over 180,000 titles to choose from for your iphone android kindle or mp3 player a little bit later as always we'll have our force center recommends an audiobook we think you should try out on us but that is not all right joseph no we have another offer it is from inside editions they are a publisher of a ton of great star wars and other pop culture books they are offering 35 percent off across their website if you use this special link inside editions.com slash discount slash fc35 there are so many wonderful star wars holiday gifts you could get for others or for yourself uh, but this week we are recommending the inside editions book inner jedi journal Ken and I both have a copy. We have flipped through it. It is great for the new year because it has just a little uh, stories, reminders of challenges that specific Jedi went through and then kind of offers you to put put yourself in in their Jedi robes and the lots of uh, places where you can kind of write down your intention to be kind for the week. Yes. <laughs> it's really, really beautiful and quite challenging. Uh, so I am looking forward to being challenged by Inner Jedi Journal. If you also want to be delighted and challenged you can use the link insideditions.com slash discount slash FC35. Use it, my friends. It's a great book. Challenging indeed. It's challenging to live your life like a Jedi, which is. It is. Yeah, kind of the point, right? Kind of yeah, point. it's so hard to stay on the path. That's what this book should have been called. It's hard to stay on the path. <laughs> uh, that's a great, that's a great Springsteen song too. All <laughs> right. Uh, before we get into the uh, the big stuff, the news, we always like to catch up and talk about life adventures. Um, busy holiday season for both of us and all of you out there listening. So uh, number one, we're, we're so thankful you're here to hang out with us. Uh, but Joseph, uh, how's, uh, how's life in Star Wars Adventures going? Good, good. It was a very uh, fun week weekend. Uh, I went to Descanso Gardens Enchanted Forest of Light. If you're in the Los Angeles area, if you live around here, or you're visiting uh, Descanso Gardens is a beautiful public uh, park, a zoo for plants. They got it all. Um, so it's always beautiful year round. Uh, but in December, they do this wonderful uh, Enchanted Forest of Lights uh, where they put lights up. And when my wife first told me about this a couple of years ago, I was like, oh, you know, holidays. I, I get it. They, they put some lights on the trees. No, it is a magical, mystical forest experience. It's all these art installations, light everywhere. You got speakers hidden in the woods, so there's just kind of weird sounds coming from who knows where, the speaker. But uh, but you feel like, where is that coming from? Uh, it's a great experience in general. Makes me think of a, a ton of different um 
the uh, uh, pop culture things that I love, but there's this one section of Wisconsin Gardens called the Ancient Forest. Mm-hmm. And th- that, it reminds me of Twin Peaks uh, and Ewoks at the same time. And man, just weird mystical lights. That looks like the Ewoks are like having some sort of just a magical rite <laughs> in the middle of the woods. And it's great. So uh, we did that. Uh, if you're, like I said, if you're in the area, check it out. Uh, but then the other Star Wars adventure I had, and, you know, I guess life adventure, is on Friday of this week, uh, I got my booster shot, and uh, that all went well. Uh, drank some water, hydrated, relaxed, is great. Uh, but it's interesting to watch the cultural experience of, you know, booster shot was in, you know, a much smaller space than I got my initial uh, vaccinations. Uh, it was at a, just a the hospital medical place I go to in a relatively small room. And they had a bunch of uh, signs up about where to take selfies and, you know, not to include the nurses and the selfies. <laughs> they don't want to be, you know, don't take a selfie of your vaccination card with all your personal information on it, you know, uh, standard things like that. But in this, the, the little wait 15 minutes to make sure you don't have a uh, horrible adverse reaction. Uh, there's a gentleman sitting in front of me with many tattoos uh, and I noticed that he had a couple Star Wars ones because he had what looked like just, I would imagine, a, an impressively uh, painful application of the uh, Republic slash uh, Imperial insignia uh, directly on his elbow. Ooh, yeah. <laughs> very impressive and all red, too. Oh, man. So it was very, very festive. But oh. then, uh, like, uh, on his shoulder, he had, like, what I what I think of from the uh, growing up the original trilogy perspective of like uh, the cool big three. It was like Vader, a stormtrooper, and Boba Fett. It was like so old cool. Like these are the original uh, characters who just look cool in Star Wars. Uh, but it was so great knowing that Book of Boba Fett is around the corner, mm-hmm. seeing that you know uh, Boba Fett love right there on another human's flesh. <laughs> Uh, I was in a good mood for getting the getting the boost, and uh, as I was walk, walking out, I just uh, I had heard him uh, talking and being friendly to people, so I understood he was probably kind of a gregarious person yeah. who wouldn't mind uh, being talked to. So on the way out, I was just like, "Hey, I love your Star Wars tattoo," and he was like, "Yeah, right on." It was just a nice moment good. of Star Wars positivity out in the world. Love that. Yeah, and you know, there's always that weird moment. You're like, oh boy, is this going to be one of those conversations about what Star Wars is better? And other times, no. And that's where you just go. You go with the leap of faith there. You let the force guide you. Exactly, exactly. And all I did is I said I liked it. I did not elicit any like, so Book of Boba Fett, the sequel trilogy. What do you think? Like, <laughs> it was just a compliment between strangers, and it was received, and that was it. And that's um, fine. That's that's great. That's great. Yeah. Well, uh, yeah, glad you survived your your boost. I got boost last week too, and uh, yeah, we are. Uh, Boosted and ready to mingle. Not really. <laughs> exactly. That's a dating site, right? Uh, both of us have partners, so we don't need to be on boost boost mingle, <laughs> thankfully. Uh, but what, <laughs> what are your adventures, Ken? Uh, so I did get out of town. Uh, uh, Grace and I headed uh, up to my uh, hometown area of uh, Royal Grande Pismo Beach. And uh, my folks still live up there, but, uh, you know, they have... Uh, three little dogs and I love little dogs. Uh, we have our Chihuahua Baxter. He was traveling with us, but they have three dogs, two cats, a stray cat that shows up and attacks the other cats in the middle of the night. Uh, my dad has built an entire cat cage that goes around the entire one side of the house on the outside. So the cats can go all around safely in a cage and, and it, it, it's great because I love animals. It's also very loud. Um, so this is the first time I said, you know what? There's a new hotel down the street, great little place called the Royal Grande village. It's like your, 
I don't know, walking into an episode of Gilmore Girls, right? Like Stars Hollows, just this <laughs> one stretch of old timey shops and delis and restaurants. And uh, so there was a hotel, so I stayed. We stayed there. So you, you you've traveled with me, Joseph. You've gone to Star Wars Celebration with me. We've shared a hotel room. When I get in, what's one of the first things I do? I turn on the TV. And just turn it on. <laughs> and sure enough, turn on TNA, TNT is in the middle of one of their Star Wars marathons, right? Nice. So, you know, we talk Star Wars every day, every week. You and I watch so many things and we research, make notes. We've talked often about we're still fans. And we can talk about Star Wars for four hours today. And I'll probably still put on Rogue One tonight, you know? <laughs> and check in. And Grace loves Star Wars too. And we oh, cool. We'll just keep this on. We never turned it off other than when we left the house, or left the, 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 the hotel room. It was always on from Friday to Sunday when we checked out. Just kept turning TNT on and just watching Star Wars films. What was on when you turned on? Uh, New Hope was on when we got there. Nice. And then the running order was really weird on depending on there was two TNTs up. I imagine one might have been an East Coast feed or whatever. One seemed to be running in order. Because four would lead to five and six. We re- watched Return of the Jedi a few times. I saw the throne room scene about four times this weekend. And then Force Awakens would start. But the other channel, it was Return of the Jedi. Then it went into like Revenge of the Sith. Then Ooh. popped back to like Rogue One. Um, <laughs> Solo was up. I mean, it was like, you talk about the machete order. It was the, you know, the pocket knife order. It just was all over the place. It was like just Star Wars, the chaos order. Yeah. Uh, which was all equally as fun. But, you know, and I know I'm not alone because on the way home, driving home Sunday, uh, get caught in some of that Ventura Beach traffic, you know well. Uh, and Billy Patterson, uh, Screen Junkies fandom producer, uh, our friend, uh, texts me and he goes, you know, I own every Star Wars movie on 4K and I have Disney+. Plus. I've been watching the TNT Marathon all weekend long. <laughs> funny. I, I am right there with you. did the same thing up in my hotel. So it's just fun. fun reminder when Star Wars is on. Most of us will stop. Yeah, I love uh, I love that just that weird cultural thing that now that we do have almost everything on demand, then we are uh, coming to reappreciate that special sensation of like it's on. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I didn't plan this. I didn't make it happen. The universe offered this to me, and so even yeah. though I could watch it any other way, I stop and watch it. And I love that for you. Like Star Wars can almost just be like a meditation app just running in the background. <laughs> yeah, right. Not that you don't like sit down and watch it and really engage, but that it's also yeah. this thing that can just be like, ah, it, the <laughs> emperor is threatening Luke pleasantly in the background. Yeah, yeah. No, it's great. No, it's, yeah, you're absolutely right. It's that feeling of, oh my gosh, Star Wars is on. And uh, then it was kind of fun to see where the commercial breaks are. The, my favorite one was in the middle of the Obi-Wan uh, hut of exposition in uh, New Hope. Really? Like, they interrupted Obi-Wan. They take a break and it's like it fades back in and Luke is like, no, 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 no. My father was a navigator and a spice freighter. That's that's the break point. Oh, wow. I thought you meant it broke in the middle, which so I was imagining like Luke saying like, how did my father die? And Obi-Wan does that look and then it cuts to commercial. <laughs> yeah. So that was uh, that was a lot of fun. And then at one point there was the, the, the moment where I was trying to uh, make a thumbnail for uh, our uh, YouTube channel there. And now that we can uh, put all episodes easily up on YouTube, thanks to Acast. Um, I had, so I was watching Star Wars, I think it was Rogue One on TNT, but I had Rise of Skywalker on Disney Plus on my MacBook at the same time. <laughs> and it's just like, yeah, this is the life. This is it. This is the life. This is what you got to do. This is what people do with some episodes of Twin Peaks, particularly the third season. You got to watch them all at the same time overlapping to see if there are any secret clues. <laughs> there you go. 
I guess that does happen with the ring theory. Anyway, anyway. that's another episode. Anyway, so anyways, that was my Star Wars and Life Adventures. Great to get away and uh, great to take Star Wars with me. Yeah, I'm glad you had some fun Star Wars in the hotel room action. Yeah, indeed, indeed. Uh, so now let's uh, let's uh, get into some Star Wars news. This is uh, we got a lot to talk about here. Yeah, um, because we were doing some uh, episodes that were banked. Uh, we're playing a little catch up with some news that came out last week, uh, and we're going to start with this uh, story here about uh, the Acolyte. Has the first cast member been revealed? So this was first reported by the Illuminati, which. <laughs> Is like a website, but it could also just be a, a, a governing party in the in the nerd world. Who knows? Uh, and Amanda Stenberg uh, may be in talks to join the cast. We say may because Stenberg's reps and Lucasfilm have yet to comment. They first uh, made a big mark as Rue in the Hunger Games. That's where I remember them because that I'm a Hunger Games fan of the books, the movies. Sometimes hit or miss. I do like the movie. And and Rue's death made me uh, cry uh, in the theater, wept openly. So. Uh, I've uh, been uh, watching their work for a long time. And uh, Stenberg went on to films like The Hate You Give and Dear Evan Hansen. A very robust resume right now. Uh, so it looks like uh, they're joining the cast, but we uh, still know next to nothing about the Acolyte. But we're going to talk about this, Joseph, because we're excited about this possibility and we're excited about this mystery theory. So thoughts on the casting? Yeah, I think for me, it's sometimes uh, my thoughts on the casting uh, are really about how much I know about the actor. And sometimes it's this thrill because like, oh, I know them from something. And then other times where it's a performer like uh, uh, Amanda Stenberg that I don't know as much Mm -hmm. about. uh, I have this kind of thrill of, hey, I like it when Star Wars introduces me to actors that I like might then you know get really excited about uh i'm uh, getting ready to watch spider-man no way home this weekend so i rewatched uh amazing spider-man 2 and i was like hey it's jen urso you know right yeah. <laughs> it's a reality of star wars fans like jen urso is the black cat uh, mm-hmm. not, uh anyway uh yeah. so that's always thrilling for me i did the only performance uh that i'm familiar with is rue and yes that i have never read those books i saw mm-hmm. that movie i didn't know that was gonna happen <laughs> spoilers for hunger games and i feel like there was a, a brief uh, moment of of a national tragedy as everyone processed yeah. uh, the events of rue i i thought they were great as rue i have not seen a lot of their uh their more recent credits yeah but what's intriguing to me about this is a lot of their credits are uh heavy and serious right like mm-hmm, mm-hmm. dramatic right and obviously i'm, I'm sure within those uh, plenty of uh moments of levity and all, and all that kind of thing but it's really interesting me to for me to think about you know the acolyte which rumors and, and whispers and the little bit we have uh, about it are talking about it uh, potentially focusing on people dabbling with the dark side the acolyte right. title certainly uh, lends itself to that so Mm. The idea uh, of somebody like Amanda Stenberg, who certainly has a cred playing heavy, (laughs) serious, that's really intriguing for like, how might that be combined with a, a story about the dark side? Yeah, uh, that's a great point. Uh, we always do like to look at past credits, maybe dictating what's coming. Not that a, a great performer can't do all kinds of things, but uh, there's definitely wheelhouses and, and sometimes you kind of get uh, – you know, and, and get put into those type of, of programs. But I, I think we're very confident with, with Leslie Headland and her love of all things Star Wars that mm-hmm. I can the acolyte make me laugh? <laughs> it's, it's a question <laughs> I'm going to ask myself more and more. And I, I got to imagine it's there. And, and um, 
someone, uh, you know, uh, someone like a man, a man, Stenberg, um, showing on up and just, uh, like you said, being introduced to us Star Wars fans. I'm just, I'm just wide open to all the possibilities. And, and it's weird because I really, I just don't know. Right. I just, we just don't know. And that's still what's intriguing me most about the acolyte. We don't know. Yeah. Yeah. And with everything that Leslie Headland has said, I agree with you. Uh, she seems like such a, a fan of Star Wars, such a student of Star Wars. I think uh, very aware of all of the different uh, ingredients that you can put yeah. in a Star Wars movie and, and you can uh, focus on one and, and, you know, downplay another a little bit. We've seen that, I think, in, in sequel trilogy movies where, you know, uh, I think Last Jedi's got some great action scenes, but less concerned about being an adventure serial. And Rise of Skywalker really wants to be a pulpy adventure serial. It's, it, to me, it's not good or bad. It's just about dialing up those ingredients. Yeah. And what I'm really curious about with the Acolyte, thinking about it from that perspective, is uh, Leslie Headland, obviously, some of her work has just, like, great comedy. So I do think there will be mm. comedy, humanity, hope. But then the thought of somebody like Leslie Headland uh, turning up the dial on the grim, right? Some of the yeah. kind of some of the kind of Star Wars that has been popularized in books or video games, where people do get into the dark side and pathos, and mm-hmm. we're going to talk about a, 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 a this uh, potential video game coming out, and that trailer has got a little a lot of that like. There isn't a lot of the levity of Star Wars. It's a lot of like everything is big and important and scary. And the idea that that Leslie Headland might take the acolyte in that direction is intriguing to me. Yeah, yeah, right. And then you know she also uh, wrote and uh, directed an indie that I I'm a fan of, uh, Sleeping with Other People from 2015. Uh, and, and like I'm like I'm also ready for an acolyte rom com. <laughs> yep. Who knows? Who knows? Yeah, I'm just kind of uh, uh, spitballing <laughs> yeah, off of the totally. casting, but yeah, yeah. I, I I'm very intrigued. Well, maybe it'll be uh, very grim, dark humor. Uh yes, yes. Acolyte <laughs> grims, acolytes grim. Uh, so anyways, we're, we're Star Wars fans. We're very happy to have Amanda Stenberg in the Star Wars family. Uh, maybe we'll wait for, we'll wait for <laughs> official comment. Uh, but it was, uh, you know, as I said, first reported by Illuminarity, but then by the time it gets to places like Deadline and, and, and Variety, that does add a little bit of the cred that is sometimes needed in talking about these stories. So, uh, we're very to ha- happy to have them in Star Wars. We'll update you when we get more information on this wonderful, wonderful potential casting. Yeah. All right, uh, we are, uh, I don't know if you've heard this, uh, Joseph, the Book of Boba Fett's uh, coming out real close, real close. And uh, anywhere anywhere you look, TV spots are dropping. In fact, <laughs> while you're getting ready to record and handling some behind-the-scenes business, uh, more trailers uh, may drop or uh, TV spots. So we initially were just going to be talking about the return spot, uh, but along the way we got the uh, ready TV spot, which is about 30 seconds. The return spot is about a minute uh, that's one I spent a little bit more time with here. Uh, it is, uh, like I said, called the the return, and it is the moodiest one yet. It it uses <laughs> seismic charges and a swelling score. Just the, you know, it reminds me of uh, was uh, is uh, it Nolan's Inception has that famous bong in the trailer that everyone. I mean, <laughs> seismic charges are now that. It feels like a reclaiming of the bong. Of like uh, starting with the uh, Interstellar, it started appearing everywhere. The bong. Yeah. And I think starting with Force Awakens, you had its uh, opposing number, the light ding. <laughs> it's so true. Uh, but it seems like they're reclaiming me like, hey, y- you like that bong? Uh, I liked it in 2002 when it was called the Seismic Charges. 
It's great. So it got me in right away. Right away. That's my favorite sound in Star Wars. So I was excited. Uh, this trailer trailer highlights uh, perhaps more of uh, more flashbacks or origin footage. We'll talk about that. Pit, boy, uh, pit droids in distress. And perhaps two classic Star Wars characters left on the cutting room floor in 1977. Could they be back? So let's dive into this one first here, Joseph. Uh, what do you think about all this? And uh, let's get uh, right to that headline. Is that Fixer and Cammy? <laughs> Do you want to start there? I, sure, why not? Let's not bury the lead, huh? Yeah, yeah. So I, th- this is, uh, yeah, I, I revisited the, if anybody doesn't know what we're talking about, uh, there's a shot in the return spot uh, where Boba Fett walks into a doorway uh, and then there is uh, some lights and some little cubby holes for alcohol and other objects. <laughs> and that wall matches uh, the cutscene from A New Hope where Luke Skywalker enters what is uh, actually Tashi Station. Right. Uh, so there's the possibility that Tashi Station is going to co-star in the book of <laughs> Boba Fett. Uh, in the way the trailers cut together, they can be cut together deceptively. Yeah. You know, it looks like Boba Fett is entering a space, but then we cut to this shot of uh, some, I believe, Nikto uh, mm-hmm. uh, uh, ruffians yeah. roughing up some people that may be in that space and if there's people in the space of uh tashi station it's got to be fixer and cammy from the uh deleted scenes from the novelization from the uh the npr uh radio broadcast version of star wars back in the day uh fans know these characters from lots of things even though they were never in the film right yeah 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 Yeah. so i here's my thing Mm-hmm. I, I, I'm I'm a maybe on the fixer and Cammy. I think that's a possibility. I think that's absolutely Tashi Station because why wouldn't you? Yes, and why? I mean, look, I you know what's the percentage of, of Fennec or Boba Fett saying we need to go to Tashi Station to pick up some power converters? I mean, let's just do it. Let's just do it. I have no problem with that. I like that. And as far as the fixer Cammy thing. I wouldn't have uh, on 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 a quick view, and I wouldn't have, have maybe stopped to pick that out. But a shout out to our pal Alex Damon is watching his video, uh, and uh, he he was all in on that idea too. Same thing, just like well, that. That's a it's a strong match, and so that's where I'm going to lie uh, come down on that one. It's a strong match to the classic photos and even figures that were released of Fixer and Cammy. But that aside, because uh, what would that be? What are we looking at? It's about ten years from where Luke would have been there with them. Yeah, if it's five years. Yeah, yeah, in that ballpark. You know, I still go to some of the same bars. (laughs) You know? (laughs) Well, I think that's a pretty clear depiction of life on Tatooine is you get out or you don't. Right. They're dressed the same. I mean, I can't imagine there's a lot of fashion changeover on Tatooine. Yeah, I mean... (laughs) Yeah, I mean, if it is... Uh, Fixer and Cammy, right? That can just be an absolutely subtle deep dive uh, for fans and for every pop culture website to write an article explaining it. Uh, I think if it is if it is Fixer and Cammy, it will be that subtle. But I mean, it, they obviously also could be like, can't believe what what became that Luke Skywalker. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I'm not laughing like I'm laughing at this show or, or laughing down at it. I'm just I, I'm actually giddy as a Star Wars fan. I don't they'll I it will never be too on the nose. I I just trust that they wouldn't do that. But just to have, yeah, maybe they're talking about it or maybe Boba Fett's like, I, hey, I ran into some guy, some kid named Luke. We fought at Obi Wan's hut. Did you read that comic? Because that happened. <laughs> and they're like, well, yeah. what, what happened to Luke? What you know what happened to Biggs? I don't know. I don't know who that is. 
Oh yeah, I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if there's like a little uh, a little like memorial station set up in Tashi Station to Biggs. I mean, that would be the the worst dig against Luca. Like, yeah, yeah, I guess he went off and he he's some legend. He's some he's those ancient Jedi Knights. I guess he is one, and I guess he saved helped save the galaxy. And there's rumors that he defeated the Emperor and turned Darth Vader. I don't know. There's some myths going around. What we really know is Biggs was great. <laughs> yeah, here's I guess our- Wormy's a Jedi Knight. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, Wormy's a Jedi Knight. And uh, here's our Biggs display in the corner. It's like the large Marge in Peewee's Big Adventure. Just, uh, yeah. night, just like tonight. I uh, want that just for myself, but I also want that, of course, for our, our wonderful friend Alex Damon, who is uh, you know <laughs> way high up in the, uh, the Biggs fan club. Yeah, yeah. Top of the food chain there as well. Uh, yeah. yeah. I'm excited. Yeah, as far as your breakdown of Tashi Station thing, yeah, that does that does make a, a lot of sense. It, it really does, and I don't mind playing around that world. No, I mean, I, I have two thoughts about it. It is obviously that that name of Tashi Station is known because of uh, Luke's, in my opinion, great line delivery of it. A, a teen who does not want to do his chores and is frustrated. The wine is great by me, but it's also well known even by people who are not hardcore Star Wars fans because people poke fun at the delivery, right? Right. So. Tashi Station kind of has this larger-than-life vibe because of our reading of that line. But if you're going to tell the story of the real world of Tatooine and, you know, Boba Fett is at at whatever point in his journey he is, he doesn't have his armor. (laughs) When he's walking on, it doesn't look like things are going great for him. Uh, It makes sense to have, if this is, it's on the outskirts of Anchorhead, right? Mm -hmm. And he's trying to find his way back into civilization it's a perfectly logical place for him to show up, you know? Yeah. Yeah. It's not that big of a deal for me. Like, uh, it's like, Hey, if it's a, you know, a movie set in the nineties and somebody gets left in a field and they, uh, wander into radio shack on the edge of town, (laughs) you know, it's just an established place in the, in the continuity. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and this, this debate that always uh, rears its, uh, I I think ugly head of, of nostalgia or too much nostalgia. I think this is, you know, this is like the, the Panda Baba, Dr. Evanson and Rogue One thing from here where it's like, yeah, that's fun. It didn't, it didn't need to be there. It didn't add anything to the story, but it was fun because I'm a Star Wars fan and that's fun. So if it is kind of a call out, if it is a a little small uh, part in the, in the return of Boba Fett, um, great. Uh, That's what all that stuff is there for. That's why we have Wikipedia to have fun things show up in films. And I would, my prediction is to brace for impact on the nostalgia debate because mm-hmm. so far from what we've seen from the book of Boba Fett, it seems like there is a just a real deep desire uh, to explore all these little fun ideas in Star Wars, right? Uh, characters, locations. Uh, the whole thing to me feels like, uh, we often talk about Star Wars being kind of tip of the iceberg storytelling. And this mm-hmm. feels like, uh, we are going to show you so much more of the iceberg of everything related to Boba Fett, to Jabba's palace, to Tatooine. We're going all in, right? This this uh, uh, particular teaser return also has that uh, hangar, right? Yes. Uh, that is, it, you've played the the video game that it's from. It's it's located exactly where it is in a video game, right? It totally is. Absolutely is. In uh, Battlefront, yeah. Yeah, so there's just already been a lot of things, including what I keep going on about that idea of in the very first uh, teaser, the Bomar Monk not being in the dark in the shadows, but up front in the foreground. And it's just, I, I feel like that's a mission statement of the people who are making this, of like, if you like this world, the palace, Boba Fett, Tatooine, we are taking everything that was in the background that you wondered about, and we're putting it in the foreground. That's what we are doing. Yeah. Uh, so I think the nostalgia debate is uh, <laughs> the, the, the nostalgia wars are coming. 
<laughs> they are. They are. And and I think uh, we kind of both feel that that first trailer, the Bomar Monk, and over that we hear Boba Fett saying, I'm not a bounty hunter, means uh, they're taking some of that nostalgia, throwing it out the window, using all those elements, all those pieces, things we're familiar with, things we love to tell a new story of Boba Fett. What more could you want as a fan? That is a very good point, and I think probably something we'll end up talking about is it, it seems like in terms of the story, the ideas, the themes, the characters, there's a ton of evolution and new and moving forward, and a lot of the set dressing is going to be the nostalgia. Yeah, absolutely. So that's the return. The Today uh, was the 30-second spot called Ready. I, I will admit I only took about uh, one 30-second swing through it there. It features Fennec Shand heavily, uh, a lot of stuff that kind of makes think of, look, hey, Boba Fett, you're trying to do something, but we got to get ready. Uh, we might have a bit of a bounty hunter war uh, coming. Uh, Joseph, did you spend some time with this trailer? Yeah, I was watching it very quickly. And the the, two, the things I love about it are uh, some things that we've speculated on that I think a lot of fans have speculated on kind of being uh, confirmed, right? Because we get that uh, voiceover that we've heard before uh, from Boba himself saying, Jabba ruled with fear. I want to rule with respect. And then we get that little pushback from Fennec. She says, in difficult times, fear is a sure bet. So that's a kind of great confirmation of the relationship that we might have that uh, that Boba and Fennec have made this bond. Uh, Fennec owes Boba for saving her life. They both relate for to being left for dead on the sands of Tatooine. So they've got a bond. They're they're not going to be broken. But it also feels like Boba being like the you know what? Not only can I take over the entire uh, this entire crime organization, I can change the game. And Fennec being a little bit of the realist or the cynic, going. Yeah, you know the the old ways work okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, and and what what I like about it overall, other than just you know, uh, we got some Fennec, and and we, I think uh, you know you and I really love that character and ready to explore more of that character and really spend some quality time with Fennec Shand. But just the, the what you're saying it gets me excited. If so far we've seen, hey, I'm I'm Boba Fett. I'm not a bounty hunter um, anymore. I'm going to try to run this thing. I try to use respect, and of course. Uh, problems are going to ensue. And <laughs> I take this one as story. <laughs> There's some fighting to come in. And uh, I think uh, almost as if Boba Fett, I, I envision just a little bit of Boba Fett going, look, I tried, but I also love violence. So here we are. Well, yeah. it it really feels like uh, I have three options for you. Uh, the first is respect. The second is one more chance at respect. <laughs> <laughs> the third is fear, violence, and knee darts to the face. It, that. <laughs> That feels like what's at stake. Yeah, yeah. And we have a new gift shop in Jabba's Palace run by Fixer and Cammy, my new friends. Yeah, Tashi Station is now uh, been converted into a Luke Skywalker Big Dark Lighter Museum. It's going to be great. <laughs> Absolutely great. Uh, uh, yeah, and, and I do love just kind of the the plot mechanics. Like we, we've we seen uh, chases, fights with uh, what appear to be whatever that rival group is, right? Mm -hmm. uh, so so hearing Fennec say like, uh, they're not going to stop, there's going to be war, uh, that gives a, our kind of our first concrete clue to the actual plot. Yeah. Like the literal what happens here that then leads to this, <laughs> yeah. you know, of mm -hmm. Boba Fett's trying to stake his claim. Somebody's already pushing back. He's got his philosophy and it's already being challenged. Yeah, and there, like I said, the fun starts, the problems ensue. We got ourselves some conflict and a series. Yeah, and the last thing I want to shout out on this mm -hmm. one, Ken, is it, this has appeared in lots of different little uh, spots. Uh, the different shots of Boba putting on the armor, uh, but he's being helped by what appears to be a little droid valet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> 
Yeah. Like he's in Downton Abbey, uh, but yeah. he's got a droid butler and uh, his nice dinner suit is Mandalorian Beskar armor. I am so excited to learn more about that little droid valet. See, and, and uh, see, this is, I, I go to uh, uh, Two Towers where King Theoden's getting ready for the Battle of Helm's Deep. And uh, <laughs> was it, uh, 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 is it Gimli? Gimli? I forget, uh, it, the, the similar name to uh, uh, Gimli. Um, dressing him. And this is the, uh, you know, what have we done speech? You know, uh, why has it come to war? To, uh, you know, maybe Boba Fett has a great speech like that, too. So. Oh, I hope so. Yeah. Yeah. Um, all right, Book of Boba Fett coming very soon. We're not done. In fact, we are going to give our big thoughts, our hopes, and our wildest predictions and dreams for Boba Fett in a deep dive uh, coming to you before the series here on Four Center. All right, before we get out of here, we got a big uh, news story to discuss. And man, we you know, we wish this was just all uh, fun and literal games. But hey, that's not the way it always works and not the way uh, Star Wars always works. Um, the Gamer Awards were last Thursday. And one of the big surprises uh, during that event was the reveal of an epic theatrical trailer for the High Republic era game Star Wars Eclipse, a game that had been kind of rumored, kind of leaks about. Um, now we know it's uh, real or it's going to be real because it's a game called in development still and uh, still possibly three to four years from release according to some sources now um uh, that's where this kind of all started and i was live on a show uh, uh on youtube and I, I look i saw the trailer and man oh that looked that looked just great and uh, uh joseph i don't know if you have discovered it in a similar way or it popped up but no one was expecting this right yeah, just a, I was trying to get some other work done and it popped up and it's like, well, I got to stop what I'm doing and watch this trailer. And the trailer was great. And then I saw the reactions and learned more yeah. <laughs> and it was yeah. less great. Yeah. So let's dive into that here. Uh, this is uh, this game is from the Quantic Dream Studios uh, based in Paris. I do believe they have a Montreal office, but uh, this is the one out of uh, Paris. And it was uh, not well received by many fans. And let's go into that and also acknowledge that many fans were hurt by this. And we at Force Center always understand that it, it'd be very it's it's. It is, it's impossible to to discuss uh, Star Wars and why we love Star Wars and the lines. I just think a lot of stuff in Rogue One coming uh, come to my mind this week. And we just did that Star Wars rank diving into our favorite lines. And, and, and Joseph and I really celebrating everything about the fight and characters like Cassie Nander have been in the fight all their life. And Jyn Erso doesn't look up and she does look up. I think about all those lines. And it makes it impossible, absolutely impossible for me to not hear the voices of a lot of people upset about what's going on. So we just want to acknowledge that first. And I'll go into a little details, Joseph, what that is about. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, so do you want to touch base on the actual trailer about what you liked and then we can get into the horror story? Yeah, in terms of just the the, the trailer that preceded the horror story is uh, the, the music – completely theatrical indeed a theatrical trailer i don't trust that for nothing for games anymore right <laughs> like <laughs> show me your gameplay man um but the reveal of that the yoda and the jedi council chambers overlooking coruscant holy moly i was like okay it's, and it's high republic i immediately was like uh intrigued on board and just completely blown away by that specific shot yeah, I think that, that was my reaction as well, uh, including the, I think probably uh, I'm going to slot myself into the yelling at clouds uh, uh -huh. category for this. But like, where's the gameplay? I understand it's yeah. very early in development, but I still have that reaction of like, uh, this is about the mood, the tone, the possibility of the the story. And yeah, and that stuff was all great. The, yeah. the mood and the tone had the like, yeah, this is the more serious, epic, somber side of Star Wars. There's not a ton of levity, like, you know, right, right. some interesting creatures in that where you could go, oh, yeah, maybe there'll be a, that, that, that droid might uh, 
crack wise. Uh, but for the most part, that little bit of that that weight and oomph that Star Wars can do. Uh, yeah, and uh, watching it for me, I was super excited about anything in the High Republic, the idea that you could kind of be shaping the actions of a Jedi and trying to stay on the right path. Uh, that Yoda shot, mind-blowing. Yeah. The Trade Federation ships being very similar. Uh, I yeah. love what they're doing in High Republic era where some things are very different and some things uh, are not. Yeah. Uh, and then just like the the shot of the the two Jedi sparring or having some sort of conflict. But look at lightsabers, uh, lightsaber fighting on a very tall, lonely bridge. Beautiful. <laughs> I'm always there for a lightsaber fight on a tall, lonely bridge, right? Yeah. <laughs> uh, and then the, 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 the stuff that was new, uh, the 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 drumming that then appeared to be a part of some sort of ritual to uh, rise, uh, to have some sort of uh, being rise. It certainly had a vibe of being malevolent and that mm. was great and fun. So there was a ton that I liked about this. I, I want to acknowledge why people um, yeah. like this, why people were excited by this because the fact that people were excited about this makes the, uh, the upsetting stuff with the studio e- even more tragic. Tra- tragic is the word I was thinking of, of like, oh, awesome. And, and it's just, um, it's uh, right now, it's uh, for me personally, just uh, it's, uh, it's uh, a muted response because of what uh, I, I don't follow game stuff. I don't follow a lot of the, uh, uh, you know, the gaming industry, which has uh, been going through a lot of uh, uh, what I would hope be is good upheaval that could lead to a better industry. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've seen that all around and that's come up a lot. So I, I was completely uh, uh, ignorant to all this stuff going on. Uh, and, and here's uh, what we got going on. The, the Quantic uh, Dreams Studio uh, is uh, founded in part by a, a man who goes by the name of David Cage. His real name is David LaGritola. Um, so that's what I'll refer to him as here. And he had his uh, company successfully sued in 2018 for having a toxic work environment that included uh, tolerance, um, I would say extreme tolerance of, of sexism, racism, and harassment. Now, most of this stemmed from an incident involving uh, hundreds upon hundreds of doctored photos of employees uh, put into compromising positions, sexual situations. Uh, one or two uh, or more uh, uh, employees looked like they were uh, in Nazi uniforms, giving salutes, all that kind of stuff. And they went around the studio. Uh, and this uh, ended up being, the, uh, the case was actually kind of based mostly around, and I'm summarizing a lot of stuff, folks. Mm-hmm. You, you can find it out there. Um, essentially a wrongful dismissal case by an IT employee. Uh, but out of that case, it just shed a lot of uh, light on the toxic culture there uh, on that studio. Um, and that uh, stretches the entire existence of it there. Now, and here I want to bring this up here only because uh, it's out there and it's there. But in April 2021, the ruling was overturned by the Paris Court of Appeal. The plaintiff of the original case um, was ordered to pay damages back to Quantic Dream. Quantic Dream had said, oh, we're, we did deny this and we are going to clear our name. Uh, a lot of uh, battles with French press over this, all those kind of things. I, I and, and we'll acknowledge that. We'll talk about that and, and, and follow him here for a second, Joseph. Like that's out there. But beyond that, that's the the court case itself. If from what I'm hearing out there and there's the hashtag uh, blackout Star Wars Eclipse and you can follow it and, and click on that and find out a lot of just great conversations by people uh, uh, hurt and affected by this. And, and, and we're here to stand by those folks. And it, it beyond just the rulings and appealings and technicalities. Cage is on record of just, uh, excuse me, this LaGrutola is on record of saying some just real repulsive statements against uh, women in the LGBTQ plus community. And and some of the game uh, action itself has come into question. Uh, Some of the uh, tropes uh, it's used before, domestic violence and uh, that kind of stuff. Um, And that's why his involvement, Grutola's heavy involvement in Star Wars Project, is that's why it's being met with anger and pain and, and, and disappointment, you know? 
Yeah, yeah. And I, I, when I, I'm with you, like I'm kind of a, aware of the amount of upheaval that's going on in the general video game industry that I think matches uh, everywhere right now where yeah. uh, this is a, it lasts several years where, where lots of uh, poor behavior has, is being brought to light um, from individuals in powerful uh, places, but also just uh, institutionally, right? Everything from like the, the Yahtzee, uh, uh, you know, mm-hmm. debate and, and almost strike uh, to get better, safe conditions for people working in film. Uh, this is happening uh, in all sorts of industries, right? And that's another part of uh, what has what Con- Quantic Dream has been accused of yeah. by employees is, is working people uh, to just I- insane, not healthy hours, mm-hmm. crunch time in video game. You know, there's unionization things going on with other uh, video games companies and uh, similar allegations. So all of this stuff is, uh, a lot of this is going on you know, uh, in the whole industry. I was not aware of this in particular. So uh, one thing that I did to just get the most basic information is uh, you can go to the uh, Wikipedia site of uh, Quantic Dream, and it's got a great breakdown of the court cases, the initial Mm -hmm. uh, judgment against Quantic Dream, the reversal. And then there's a separate uh, case uh, where Quantic Dream is was engaged in a legal battle with the papers that initially the two French or more right. papers that initially reported some of these accusations. And that's where some of these uh, statements that Cage uh, allegedly made that are really irreprehensible uh, came to light. So uh, yeah. I always go from a point of view of like you, uh, if if you want to educate yourself, it's great to just kind of try to go to the best sources you can and educate yourself. Yeah. Um, yeah. But I think my big emotional reaction, I guess, emotional and logical, philosophical, mm-hmm. um, I think for me, innocent until proven guilty is a legal standard that I absolutely believe in. Yeah. Uh, but I also feel like with something like this, uh, I'm not the French court. <laughs> right, right. Uh, and I, I, as an individual, want to look at the discussion, Google what facts I can, and come to a reaction, an emotional reaction that informs my actions uh, myself. And I think for me, uh, what I'm seeing with this, it isn't about which, which French court said he did or didn't do this. That does get into technicalities. It is a matter of looking at all of it and coming to a judgment for yourself. Mm. And I think for me, it leaves me not wanting to uh, pursue this video game. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I, I, I'm with you on that too. Um uh, and like I said, it, it kind of unfolded for me in real time Thursday. Like I said, I was live on the show. I saw the trailer. Well, that's, that's fun. That's great. And then Friday, some stuff started popping up. And, you know, if you start scanning through, you can see some of these appeals and overturns and technicalities and go, oh, I don't know. It seems all good. But then when the voices start coming out, yeah, we, we, fans and, and people we know and podcasters we know and people in the community and and, and the words that this LaGrutha guy used um, – you know, words that uh, have uh, been thrown around, uh, you know, uh, hurtful words to, to, to uh, you know, minimize the, the lives and the existence of so many people for so many years. And we're seeing yeah. that change. That, 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 uh, that can't leave me. You know what I mean? That, 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 mm-hmm. That's what I literally go to. Uh, if I, you know, it's great that I'm looking up now, but, you know, Cassian's going, great, 
welcome to the party. It's been my whole life. <laughs> and I think I'm hearing a lot of those people. Again, you go to that blackout Star Wars Eclipse uh, hashtag. Uh, we recommend you do it. You'll see a lot of people, you know, directly affected. And unfortunately, we as humans, sometimes we don't get involved until we're directly affected. It's it, it's one of the once one of the struggles to remain on the light side path. Right. Uh, mm-hmm. to look outside your own walls. And and that's where I'm going around. I was just to, to, to stop. Uh, and look and listen is is, a, is an important thing right now in this conversation. Maybe maybe some dust will settle. Maybe Lucasfilm will make a change. And and I don't know how it got to this point. And I've seen some posts of, um, you know, some Lucasfilm employees just got to that's it's they're in a tough job position where they got to put an article out about this game. But some are in decision making uh, um, um, positions. And I don't know how this decision came about. I don't know how they didn't vet it or maybe they did and didn't care. That's where a lot of the hurt is coming from. Not even necessarily about this game, you know, but in a week where this wonderful news of, uh, you know, possibly Amanda Stenberg joining the Acolyte, a show run by Leslie Headland and, and um, a lot of victory for uh, diversity to Star Wars to have that week end up with this. It's 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 not it's not just discouraging. It's hurtful. It's painful. And I can't separate myself from that right now. Yeah, no, I, I, I am with you and I understand and I think um I think it's always good to to really try to look at everything and uh and decide for yourself what what you think is, you know, uh being said. And uh be, because this this can be a uh, you you just see a tweet and then you want to run down and go like, okay, but where where is that from? Yeah. All that and, and verify for your for yourself what what you feel and I guess what I'm saying is from the looking into it that I've done, I definitely feel not great about supporting this company yeah. um, and, and wanting to support people. And, and as you were saying so eloquently to take it very seriously, uh, the pain that this causes people, you know, yeah. um, that the kind of statements uh, that he has allegedly made th- that, that they really, really uh, truly affect people's lives and take that very, very seriously mm-hmm. is, uh, is super important. And I think just at 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 the end of the day, the, the day won't end. The days go on and on. <laughs> the days uh, go on. But I, in terms of what happens next, I do think that this. It seems like from the reaction that this would impact the sales. Yeah, and I'm I'm very curious to just see if if how Lucasfilm responds to the fact that this is a video game that otherwise people would be. It seems like overall very excited about it. I saw so many people, uh, including, you know, some friends who are very much involved in the the video game community, you know, kind of describing the uh, <laughs> the horrible roller coaster of watching the trailer going great and then seeing the name of the company and going, ooh, nope. Mm-hmm. Um, that I, I think I think it is. Uh, I hope that that uh, negative roller coaster is is taken into account. Yeah, and and I get the the business of it can sometimes be hard and contracts and this and that, but uh, you know maybe that's uh, that'll be a lesson learned. And I mean, and I I've been talking with some people this weekend, which is ask how how could this have happened in the sense of you know this isn't um, a cast member joins a show and then starts kind of becoming a problem. This isn't that. This isn't a, um, a you know a lawsuit against a performer and the lawsuit clears and that person is clear because their their life track record shows that hey maybe the court case ruling is lined up with who they are. But you know that's been something yeah. that we dealt with. This is different. This is this is a long standing problem. It's an industry problem and and uh, video games overall. Again, I'm, I'm, I'm ignorant to some of the bigger issues in the gaming industry, but it's, it, like you said, Joseph, generally very much aware right now and in support of a, a changing environment. So I don't know, and that's why I don't know those answers, and we'll see. And and, and um, but yeah, 
we 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 understand everyone out there listening who uh, uh, was is and will continue to be uh, hurt by this uh, unless there is a, a change or just you know at, at guess at best or maybe at worst just ignore the game that's coming out. Uh, we we understand that and respect that. Yeah, I totally, totally agree. And, and heart goes out to people who are uh, really uh, affected by this. And I think, uh, Ken, if this game was out tomorrow, would you buy it? I, I, I wouldn't. I, I, I wouldn't. I, I would use it as um, there's some other examples in my life of uh, of uh, artists or something that I'm such a just a they've changed my life. They affected me and some things have happened in their life that have come to light and I thought I'd be like, well, you know, I'll still listen to the music, right? And mm-hmm. every time the music comes on on my iTunes shuffle, it's in my head. It doesn't yep. escape me. And that's just, and so that's just kind of my heart telling me where I am in my life. And and I wasn't always there three, four years ago. I've been, been like, nah, it's a great song. You know, I, I've just, I, 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 I have changed a little bit, grown a little bit. And, and, and that's all we can all ask of ourselves, I guess. If them. So, yes, uh, this comes out tomorrow. I, it just wouldn't feel right for me. Just wouldn't feel right for me. Yeah, I think that's where I'm at for my own uh, personal decision. It's like, yeah, I didn't tweet about this game. Uh, we're only talking about it now um, in the context of, you know, wanting to discuss the reality that it's out there, both the reality of what, what people were engaged by in the trailer and then the reality of, of the letdown once they see uh, who is actually behind it. So, yeah, I think if it uh, if it came out uh, today, I, I would not be buying it. Yeah, I, final thought for me, I, you know, especially in terms of like, uh, you know, we've all heard or been around situations of people where maybe the, the court says one thing, but the truth uh, is kind of, uh, and the history of that person goes beyond just that one case. And for me, um, I just, I'm tired of a-holes winning. <laughs> <laughs> yeah and i think that's for me is d- digging into this you know the the initial uh papers that reported it had you know 15 sources uh describing a a company culture that was just uh, really um unnecessarily uh difficult harsh inappropriate all, all of these things that just uh i i want uh to live in a more empathetic world and there's just no reason that uh that people should have to uh, work in an environment like that um, to create something fun and joyful like a Star Wars video game. Yeah, and High Republic is about, uh, you know, for light and life, and there's a lot of other High Republic content out there that will help uh, lift that message up, and uh, I'm okay not, uh, not engaging with this one right now. Yeah, exactly. All right. Well, uh, we always, uh, you know, we're, we're going to dive in when we need to dive in, but we also enjoy, uh, you know, the surface stories, the happy stuff, but it's not always like that. It's not always like that. Star Wars uh, is uh, deeper than that, and so is the real world. So there you go. Um, that is a look at Star Wars news. Before we take a quick break, we are going to give uh, an audiobook for you uh, to maybe consider trying out on us. Joseph, what is our Force Center recommends? Uh, we are recommending the book that kicked off the High Republic Light of the Jedi by Charles Soule. We are staring down the barrel of a bunch of new High Republic books coming out. So if you want to get caught up, uh, you can check out the great audiobook that kicked it all off, Light of the Jedi. Download your free audiobook today by going to audibletrial.com slash center. Again, that's audibletrial.com slash center for your free audiobook. All right, on the other side of this, we are going to take a break and get to your questions here on Center. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot. 
we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Welcome back to Force Center, the big show, the main show, the superstar destroyer of our fleet. Uh, we have uh, taken a, a look at the news, uh, good and bad and otherwise, but now we got some questions. Let's get to it, Jason. Yeah, we got a couple questions from Twitter and from our patrons on Patreon. We normally have two questions from our patrons on Patreon, but I need to re-up uh, our request uh, for questions, which I will be doing later today. So we got uh, two questions from Twitter and a great, deep, thorough question uh, from a patron on Patreon. So here we go. First to Twitter. This question comes to us <laughs> from the wonderful Star Wars handle, 
R2D2 playing bass. Yes. Uh, check out that uh, that user pick too. Uh, here's what R2D2 playing bass has to say. Given that the Mon Calamari are literally named after calamari, is there any other food you would like to see reflected in an alien species? I share Joseph's love of all things frozen pizza. Uh, so for mine, my race will be the Prozen Fizza. <laughs> and they mine uh, carbonite on the planet of Mott's Rella Prime. Uh, they are essentially a race of Ben Quadraneros looking beans with a more round face with yellow and red tones. Uh, all the best guys and keep up the great work. Uh, thank you, R2-D2 playing bass. Uh, Ken, you've enjoyed a good frozen pizza or two in your life, right? Oh, I miss them. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so you're being healthy. I, I bought a new, another new one last night. Well, you know, I'll get the cauliflower crust, but, uh, you know, you, you sometimes <laughs> convince yourself that it's all healthy when really just part of it is. Yeah, no, I understand. It is. Uh, I, I have a long and deep love of frozen pizza, enough so much that I have mentioned it on a Star Wars podcast enough that we get uh, listener questions uh, reflecting uh, this. So, Ken, uh, you are also a, a connoisseur of many both fine and not so fine foods. Where do you go with uh, with this question of what kind of a food based as Star Wars characters do you have in mind? Yeah, this is a great question. Uh, I started to go to like, what are some of my favorite uh meals and but then what would make sense um to to be a, a you know a, a species in star wars here that would make sense uh, like r2d2 playing base uh, uh, presented with us with so i went with this one the omelettes a foul-like <laughs> species from the planet of dinair and they spend most of their lives defending their precious eggs from marauders looking for breakfast oh wow wow that's so great uh it, it's a great visual uh, mm -hmm. <laughs> uh, and I also like that there is this uh, tradition in Star Wars of like, yeah, uh, starting with Lucas, not being uh, precious about the way things are named, right? Uh, yeah. The uh, Senator Orn Frita is uh, how one of his children used to say corn fritters when they were a kid is the, the legend. Yes. yes. Uh, so you're really na you're nailing it with uh, what, what was the alien? Omelettes? Um, um, the omelettes. A O M E apostrophe L E T T S. Omelettes. The omelettes. It sounds so regal. Like that could be like uh, uh, Holdo's, uh, you know, parents' first name. Yeah. Right. <laughs> That's uh, so yeah. great. Foul like I, I don't it. have I don't have the design completely done. I know there's been some foul like uh, bird like species in Star Wars. I'm thinking of uh, I forget his name, but Jim Rash's character in the Resistance that comes to mind too. Um, oh yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but, uh, but but are you picking picturing just like uh, you know we know uh, chickens exist in Star Wars Galaxy? Are this are these just very very big chickens? It's it's I'm not saying it's not similar to Mark McKinney's chicken lady character from Kids in the Hall. I'm not saying it's not. <laughs> <laughs> That's, uh, that's yeah. hilarious and even more freakish yeah uh, oh. um yeah so uh yeah the planet of dinair which is uh you know di apostrophe n uh er and that's it's just a cruel uh name for a planet uh, where the species trying to protect their their eggs that other people want to have for breakfast but um there you have it and i i, I got to think at one point there might have been a run-in with dex but dex did the right thing he actually defended them from the Marauders. <laughs> Instead of cooking them. Good. Yeah. Good. Yeah. Uh, I, I had two. Uh, the, uh, I, I think R2-D2 playing bass, just uh, talking about mozzarella, got me thinking about uh, cheese sticks, which there, there are some places that I just, uh, I have to order cheese sticks. Uh, I've gone to a place and ordered cheese sticks as an appetizer for the cheese pizza. It's, 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 
<laughs> it's a problem at best. Yeah. Uh, so I was thinking of just the, my general love of, of, you know, greasy breaded things. Yeah. So I, I want a group uh, called the Stick Breaders. <laughs> it almost sounds kind of tough and badass. And I think uh, they would be this a small group of uh, alien bounty hunters. And mm. they're they're. Uh, outward experience, uh, appearance is just this uh, mottled, bready, but also looking very hard. Like, is that armor? Is it flesh? You don't really know. And they're coming at you with actual, like, uh, scary sticks. You know, like, you, you want to laugh, but you also want to run when you see the stick breaders coming. Get smacked right in the face. <laughs> right in the face. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Mm. yeah. Love that. Really hot juice might pop out of them. You don't know. <laughs> no, and I'm with you, man. I would... Cheese sticks and pizza together at last was that's 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 one of my favorites. Yeah, Uh, and then the other one I had, I wanted to have some fun with just the great Star Wars thing of just uh, taking a name and flipping it around. Mm -hmm. Uh, So I also want a a mysterious uh, creature uh, named Oatlay Chip, Uh, and (laughs) I think a large creature that is just wrapped in layers of cloth that look like a tortilla, and you don't know what's in there. Yes, uh, and they would sh- they'd be perfect to show up like next to a pow or Bistan in, in Rogue One or something like that, or, or uh, fighting with the Cloud Riders. Oatlay Chip is with us too. Yeah. yeah. Uh, any more thoughts on this one? No, this is great, and, and just a, a reminder of you know as as deep and dark and gritty as you want your Star Wars to be sometimes, and I, and I want it to hit those levels always as well. You can't forget that one of the heroes is uh, a, a man named uh, a man named Akbar from the Mon Calamari people, and he's an appetizer on the go. So it's we talk about in Star Wars this great tension between the depth and the philosophy and the just weird, uh, sometimes silly space adventure. Right? I mean, the fact that good old Dave Filoni can be like, yeah, no, here's the whole uh, history of their uh, society and their civil war with the Quarren and the uh, yep. <laughs> the history of uh, the the line of uh, ro- royalty and uh, uh, yeah, also their fish. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's Star Wars for you. We're going to move on to a great uh, question from Commander Cloud. Uh, Commander says, briefing time once again. I think almost every film has one, either in a war room or in a hangar or out in a pleasant grove on Naboo. So what's your favorite briefing scene? I think mine is in episode nine. It's got the music ramping up and everyone scrambling to their ships. Uh, And also... When in your life will you want a Star Wars style briefing? Who's giving it and in what setting? Thanks, fellas. And may the force of others be with you. May the force of others be with you, Commander Cloud. Uh, Ken, this is great. Take it wherever you want. What's your favorite briefing scene? Where do you want to be briefed on? Uh, I'll, I'll, I'll talk about my favorite briefing scene, kick it back to you, and then I'll, I'll tell uh, some of my stories of briefings that I've been in uh, that uh, really involve Star Wars. Um yeah, so uh, I, I love the episode 9 one, by the way. Just having rewatched that on TNT in my hotel room. it's It's got the energy I like. But I got to tell you, for me, it is Hoth. It is Leia saying, you know, you got two Star Destroyers. Ion Cannon's going to fire two shots. Uh, Hobby going two Star star Destroyers gets a two, two fighters gets a Star Destroyer. Oh, that whole scene. I love it. It's a briefing on the go. It's It's got the energy and intensity of uh, we've got to do this or we're going to die. And I've always loved that one, man. That's a really, really great one. I mean, that is a, yeah, you're right. That is a, uh, 
that's almost like a pre-huddle, uh, yeah. you know, before the battle, uh, yeah. which a lot of these are, but this is really like, this is exactly what you're going to do. Go do it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah, the episode one, it, one is like that as well. And, 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 uh, but Commander Cloud's so right. I don't think I've ever really stopped and think the amount of briefing scenes, but it would make sense that Star Wars would have some briefings. Well, and, and, and it is a legacy of, of Lucas having a specific attitude toward uh, the way these films are constructed. And he doesn't have anything against an exposition scene to set up. Right. It's like, hey, you want to know what the stakes are? Um, a, a An old man with a beard or a fish <laughs> yeah. or a, a rebel leader like Leia or Mon Mothma, they are going to tell you explicitly uh, what the heroes are trying to do and what the stakes are. Yeah. yeah. And there's a, usually going to be like at least one or two doubters. so it's really clear uh for me yeah i I think what i love about rise of skywalker is it is a different kind of briefing it it, it is a hey here's our tactics here's the plan yeah uh and and much like return of the jedi the big picture plan or naboo like this person this group's going to do this this group's going to do this and then we'll achieve this um but it's also just such a motivational speech right it 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 uh goes from the practical to the just that rousing uh, double general Finn and Bo, yeah. you know, contextualizing why they're doing this, and it's obviously for the audience, but it's it's there for this this small band of resistance who is fighting so hard and risking so much to keep it alive. That uh, line about you know what our mothers and fathers fought for, we will not let die. That always gets me. It, mm-hmm. It's a mm-hmm. it's a briefing that turns into uh, just a motivational speech from Friday Night Lights. It's great. Yeah. Um, so that one's up there for me. But I think I think my favorite briefing might be Return of the Jedi. That's hard. That's hard to turn away from. That's a good one. Right? There's just so much going on. It it, it is just this uh absolutely no fear boatload of exposition. Don't care how many <laughs> <laughs> uh, screenwriting guides tell you not to do that. Boom, here's a bunch of exposition. Uh, but then within that, there's just so much going on with characters. It's such a well-done exposition scene because uh, we get the, where Han is at emotionally, right? Right. We really get to see that he's all the way committed. Uh, we get the just the great character moments of Mon Mothma and the weight of many Bothans died and uh, our introduction to uh, our favorite fishman, Admiral Akbar, one of our favorite uh, fishman. Yeah. Uh, the, uh, the so not uh, exciting that it is exciting appearance of Crix Maydeen. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> just, uh, there's so much going on. And as you've pointed out many times, uh, the fact then that Luke Skywalker makes a big entrance and totally derails the meeting. Just, just interrupts. <laughs> I guess just interrupts it. I guess we're all wrapped up. For a family reunion. Yeah. Uh, I still want a shot of Akbar going like, oh, okay, well, I guess I, I guess that's it. Yeah. All right. Who's this guy? I'm not sure. <laughs> yeah. So I think it, it's so hard, but Return of the Jedi might edge it out. I also really like in the whole canon of uh, briefing scenes, I like the one that got away, the one that we don't get to see in Revenge of the Sith because Anakin shows up late and Obi-Wan just has to summarize. I was going to throw that in there. I'm so <laughs> glad you were on the same wave. Like, yes, it is the best because it, it is like, Kenobi's <laughs> like, you missed a briefing. And the whole audience goes, oh, damn, we missed a briefing. We love briefings. Uh, briefing scenes are one of our favorite. Damn it, Anakin. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so those are some of our favorites and our whys. Uh, but let's get to the uh, real life component of Commander Cloud's uh, question. What are, What is your life experience with briefings? What kind of briefing have you had and what do you want? Yeah, well, what I want, what I need sometimes is, is if you travel to me with Disney, to Disneyland, uh, since I was a kid, I was a, the night before, let's get out a map and plan this type of kid, which did not make me the best Disneyland 
you know, partner there. Um, right. I'm, I'm a little looser in, in, in my days, but I still have the, you know, last time Grace and I went very rainy day right before the pandemic hit, but we had to get to, you know, Star Wars, Galaxy's Ledge, all this kind of stuff. But I still have the, hey, look, I get to, I get my coffee and muffin here. My lunch is here. Like I, I, I try to go be organic and flowing, but I'm sometimes rigid when it comes to doing. And do it's, you, do you have the doubters who say like, Two churros against Jungle Cruise. <laughs> Two churros before lunch. Yeah, um, I do have that. Um, and as it, like my uh, now uh, now both my parents uh, grandparents uh, have passed, but uh, they lived for years around the corner from Disneyland. Like literally, we'd see the fireworks every night when we visit. And so, anytime we would go as a kid, we would uh, hit uh, a Disneyland Hotel, um, which was a lot smaller. And you know, downtown Disney's there now, but we'd just literally go to the hotel, and then I'd get the map. And I'd go home and I'd, I'd unfurl that map on the floor. And my, my sister, four years younger with me, she didn't know what was going on. I'd be like, all right, we're going to go. I think we hit Tomorrowland first. And we'd come around here. And, then, you know, so that's all. I just, I just been in my blood, I guess. No, I, I'm right there with you. I, I like, uh, I like briefings. Yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that makes sense because you want to maximize the experience, right? Yeah. Yeah. And a little anxiety, you know, I've, I've gotten better over the years of just letting go, but yeah, just also, yeah, I want to hit everything and there's an order and you could conserve energy by going one way versus the other. And, you know, that's why I'm one of those people that have my favorite hot chocolate cart in Disneyland and my favorite, you know, uh, chimichanga cart or something. I have those because I've studied them. Yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, my wife and I, we, the first time we went to Disneyland, we, yeah. And every time we've gone, we have got out uh, the maps. We have uh, plotted routes. Yeah. Got <laughs> you got to be ready. You got to be yeah. ready for that. Uh, and did you say where you want a, a briefing? Because that's it was a great part of Commander Cloud's question of what you want a briefing on. Uh, well, uh, where? Oh, yeah. Uh, we def- Like where, who, what, what do you need a briefing on? If somebody was going to give you a briefing. Um, oh, um, for me, I, I need a briefing every time I'm going to a restaurant I've never been to. Um, <laughs> talk about another annoying, annoying personal habit. I have order ordering anxiety. So um, often if like if, if you know, we're, say we're in Minnesota, downtown uh, Minneapolis or something, Joseph, and, and we're heading to one of your favorite spots. Um, I'm going to let you enter first, get a table. And if it's a walk up, order at a counter, I'm going to let you go first so I could see how to do it. So if you were to give me that briefing before we enter the restaurant, oof, I'd be really, really appreciative. And this is why we can never go to a restaurant together that neither of us have been to, because that this is literally my answer to. <laughs> is it? <laughs> I think there's something I think you and I, we've talked a lot about like how the um, the initial cantina scene with Luke affected us of that, like anxiety of you're going to go into a place that you, you this is your first time there. Yeah. You know, are, are you maybe culturally in, in a place where everybody else there understands it yeah. uh, and you don't? So you're you're going to be so clearly the newbie that you might be uh, threatened uh, by a walrus man. <laughs> look, look, you're, you're not lying. That, that, that we, you, yeah, you and I have discussed, you know, Wu Hare's treatment of Luke and it, it makes me nervous, maybe nervous as a kid, coupled with a couple of years later, I'm watching Pee Wee get yelled at in a biker bar because he's just trying to use the phone. Man, I gotta <laughs> tell you, I, I was not good in bars for a long time because of that. Yeah, I just, I think for me, uh, it, it is a matter of... Um, it's a matter of anxiety, but it's also a matter of just clarity. I love clarity because it mm-hmm. avoids uh, miscommunications. It avoids uh, hurt feelings. It avoids lost times, uh, all sorts of uh, stuff like that. When I was in college, I took um, 
it, it was a, a part of my major was rhetoric. Uh, but mm. underneath that, it was all these classes about uh, facilitation and communication and just mm. how much clarity can help everybody. Yeah. And as I've gotten older, I've had to realize like for some people, uh, clarity makes them makes them more nervous. Right. <laughs> Yeah, because for for some people's perspective, if you're giving them all these details, it means this must be really complicated and it's something's going to go wrong. <laughs> mm-hmm. So that's the thing that I've needed to learn because I like being the briefer. Um, yeah, because I want everybody to feel comfortable. So like for shows in particular, I really like giving detailed briefings and I like I would send out like detailed emails because mm-hmm. I'm the kind of person like I want to know what's going on. Yeah. Uh and then I, I had to get to a point where I realized, like, not not everybody wants the whole brief. <laughs> well, look, from personal experience, this is good. This is, I say this in praise of you. When we did the live show at Celebration Chicago, yeah, you had you had a, a detailed list of, hey, this is what we should do. And, and I'm a little bit more of that. Let's just jump in and figure it out. But that often has left me in the lurch. And so I remember one time looking on that list. You remember you were actually like, this is like the best time to order our food. And I remember <laughs> thinking, oh, OK. And then I remember getting there going, yeah, actually, this is the this is the best time to order food <laughs> and, 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 and a comfort over my pre-show anxiety. Just, it just, it just, it just, it just came to me. Like, and so I, I'm, I want your briefings. I, I will be huddled around a restaurant outside the front door. You going, here's what happens when we go inside. Excellent. Uh, well, I'm, I'm glad that I was able to, uh, to help a little bit. And uh, yeah, you, you, even within the briefing, like happens in battles in star Wars, you got to improvise too. Yeah, no, absolutely. And that's that's for my you know, my other line of work where it's like we would train and this and that and you read instruction manuals. It all goes to hell the moment it starts to happen. So, you know, uh, I've been involved in a lot of earthquake training and everything. And the moment the ground starts shaking, you just go to your training, but hopefully, you know, and it's just survival. Uh, but the one the one thing I wanted to say, so because of the old job, the security director job in uh, 2003, I was part of the security team that helped put together this multi-agency, we're talking uh, upwards nearly a thousand personnel involved, uh, uh, biological uh, uh, terrorist attack training called Operation Dark Cloud. All right. Hmm. <laughs> Big thing. And we were all at the CSUN, uh, uh, Cal State Northridge, um, like amphitheater to, for this briefing. Now, I wasn't up there speaking this and that. But uh, because it was multi-agency, you had f- fire, paramedics, uh, uh, police, uh, school police, uh, campus police, security personnel from us, from the mall. And all of us had on uniforms, but different kind of uniforms, right? So here I am. I, I, I'm, I'm, this is very serious. We've got the, the mayors there. That is that. And I remember looking out and seeing all the kind of the, the uniform styles bunched together. And I just remember getting excited because I was like, that's like Y-Wing Pilots. That's like the alien pilot. Oh, and I just, and here I am. I was completely lost in my head thinking about Star Wars briefings, which goes back to the original point. George puts them in and they become this tradition. Even Solo has one. I'm Mimban. There's Rogue One. Uh, and I just think I go to that as a giddy little kid. So here I am as a supposed adult on this big training exercise, just going, and they're the A-wing pilots. And I must be a Y-wing pilot. <laughs> Yeah, there's so much. Oh man, maybe maybe we should do a deep dive on mm. on briefing missions uh, because there is so much in them. They can be like that very fast, like Leia does. But it, it sounds like for that, like that was important, right? Uh, Big one. And yeah. and you need that that feeling of uh, we're we're facing a challenge. We're all in this together, all of us. Uh, the the real world Y wing pilots and me. <laughs> yeah, and and the lesson of, of that briefing and uh, could. <laughs> it, 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 Big, it was like a half hour briefing, right? 
Uh, yeah. Once the incident happened, it was a live training. So my guys, we had put it together as a scenario and we were the first, you know, so we played it for, we had a, we had a, uh, uh, a nine, nine one, one call to make that actually went to a private circuit and an actual nine one one call went out and da, 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 da. no, once it, the event started happening, which was a, a biological attack inside of a mall, uh, police, fire, paramedics, uh, uh, maintenance, no one listened to each other or communicated. No mm. one, no one listened to the briefing. Ah, clarity. And you literally had fired the fire department sitting there going to handle handling it. And then the, the police in one corner with city government officials handling it. And they would come to us and go, Hey, what about this? And I'd be like, what well, did you ask the fire department? They'd be, well, no, we didn't talk to the fire department yet. Well, they're just, they're right there. <laughs> they're right there. And so I, I think about that. So I think about Akbar and, and Mothma and everyone like, listen, listen, cause then you'll know what's going on. Yeah. Mon Mothma wouldn't let this crap happen. She would not. She would. Not. Yeah. Yeah, so I guess my final direct answer is who do I want uh, to give me a briefing on what is there is a a sushi place uh, near my house. Uh, I like sushi. I don't have it very often. Uh, My wife isn't a huge fan. So I have been meaning for years to go to that sushi place. But I always think like, but I got to look up online first and remember exactly how to order. (laughs) And is this restaurant any different and see how it works. So what I would love is to walk down the block and have Admiral Akbar break down how I order at this particular sushi restaurant. You just can't get the calamari. It's probably relative. (laughs) There's an extra cruelty there. All right. Great question. We could talk about this uh, uh, for a long time, but we're going to move on to our final question. It is a big one and a good one uh, from our patron on Patreon, Anakin Crespin. Uh, Anakin uh, shares, this is so great. Uh, Anakin uh, shares uh, some thoughts that lead to a question. So sit back and enjoy. Here's what Anakin has to say. Hello. First of all, I'm a huge fan of you both. You guys are incredibly talented and beautiful souls, and I love hearing you guys talk about Star Wars. Thank you, Anakin. That's that's very, very kind. Uh, Anakin continues, My question pertains to the rise of Skywalker. Please keep in mind I love each movie in the sequel trilogy with all of my heart and am not criticizing the film by any means. The rise of Skywalker in particular, which I connect with on such an emotional level, having cried nearly four or five times throughout the movie, is the one that I struggle with the most. A reason being the way the ending sort of, to some, diminishes the prophecy of the Chosen One being fulfilled in Return of the Jedi. While some believe Luke to be the Chosen One who would bring balance to the Force, such as Obi-Wan, in real life, George Lucas always insisted that it was, in fact, Anakin Skywalker. Other than in Return of the Jedi, George e- other than in Return of the Jedi, George even seems to confirm this in-universe in the Mortis arc of the Clone Wars. In The Rise of Skywalker, Anakin speaks the line to Rey about restoring the balance of the forces he once did. And while I appreciate the acknowledgement from J.J., the fact that Anakin or even Luke had very little to do with defeating Palpatine in the Sith Eternal in the end leaves me feeling a bit perplexed. I'm not saying Anakin is the only one who can save the universe or anything like that, and I realize why Lucasfilm may have chosen not to have him or Luke intervene as Force ghosts on Exegol and take away from Rey's journey, but did Anakin actually fulfill the prophecy, or perhaps Ben and Rey defeating the Sith in Anakin or Luke's place fulfilled the prophecy due to them being Skywalkers by extension? Come to think of it, Sidious actually mentions Leia when he says that the Princess of Alderaan has disrupted his plans, which we know plays a crucial role in defeating Palpatine, and she is a Skywalker as well. But still, it's all pretty vague and up for different interpretations. So how do the two of you interpret the prophecy? 
And do you think it was fulfilled in Return of the Jedi by Anakin or in the Rise of Skywalker by somebody else or both? This, uh, these are all great thoughts, honest thoughts, uh, and I think presented really well. Let's dive into this, Ken. Uh, what uh, what are your thoughts on the prophecy? Was it fulfilled by Anakin? Was it fulfilled again? How do you would you feel anything was undermined? All that great stuff. Yeah, and, and first of all, I want to acknowledge too what you just said too uh, of Anakin uh, doing a wonderful posing this question in, in in this very modern way of uh, trying to acknowledge all aspects of it, trying to say no, 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 I do love it, I do love it because in this uh, us versus them social media world, it's too easy to feel like you're uh, slagging on something you love, and that's not the case here, Anakin. I think you're asking some wonderful questions about a film that moves you because it moves me too, and I understand this one. And I, Joseph, I, 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 I always joke. I sometimes go to the simple spot, but I, I, I think this. For me, what does work is the idea that Anakin did bring balance to the force and uh, the prophecy can be completely, you know, misinterpreted. Uh, Obi-Wan had his point of view on it. That also maybe he was right and maybe the Jedi in story were wrong. Uh, We know what George says. Uh, I think you can kind of put that on the shelf when you're having this conversation about what's going on in the story. So for me, Anakin did bring balance. There was nothing about the prophecy that said, and then that's it. And right. then the story goes and we all we're all celebrating and the Ewoks are dancing forever. Now there's reality and Anakin's addressing that and, and it's it's weird to address Anakin and then also to be talking about Anakin. <laughs> Anakin, uh, our, our, our wonderful listener here, does point out a truth that you and I have also talked about. Sometimes the answer is, uh, well, uh, George didn't think he'd make episode seven ever. So we are making it. And so therefore you have to extend the story. But George, what I, I'd be curious to see how George dealt with this question. In his own right. seven or nine, that's, that's something we'll, we might never know, but I, he was going to have to deal with it somehow too. Yeah, I mean, I think uh, yeah, there there are so many different places uh, uh, to go with this. Uh, if, if I ever get back to doing um, Star Wars counseling, I want to do a Star Wars counseling episode about this because that's it's one that mm. that yep. comes up a lot uh, for people people uh, wrestling with this the way uh, Anakin, our listener, is. Yeah, um, yeah I think for me, uh, my general take on how I interpret it in the galaxy of star Wars is that Anakin together with Luke, depending on your point of view, uh, absolutely fulfilled the prophecy of, uh, restoring balance. Uh, we as, uh, viewers know that he restored the balance in particular by ending Palpatine's reign of terror and, uh, and, uh, extinguishing the darkness in himself, right. Uh, choosing, making a better choice at the end of his life. Um, and I think the key thing for me is always uh, the prophecy isn't in my mind. He will kill Palpatine. Right. It's that he will bring balance back to the force and the existence of the dark side is balance. Right. We've talked about this, uh, this interpretation of, of the balance of the force a lot, that darkness and anger and pain, uh, th- these things exist and uh, when the force gets out of balance is when a Sith actively create much more pain and anguish than would exist. And yeah. uh, this is documented in, in Star Wars storytelling everywhere, how much Palpatine uh, not only creates violence in the Clone Wars, but it creates uh, poverty and food shortages and suspicion and fear and then only escalates that uh, with the Empire. And that is what's throwing the galaxy out of balance. And that is what Anakin... Uh, uh, the Jedi Knight <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, puts to a stop uh, by defeating Palpatine and by stopping himself, right? It, yeah. I don't think Anakin would have fulfilled the prophecy if he uh, pulled a, a Kylo in The Last Jedi 
killed Palpatine, threw him down the shaft. And then it was like, yeah, no, I'm going to find a way to live. And I'm, I'm going to do what I always claimed. I'm going to take over the empire. Right. right it's right. It's that he stopped what the empire is doing. The pain that the Sith and the empire are spreading to the entire galaxy by stopping Palpatine and by breaking the cycle in himself. So I, I kind of feel like that's what my interpretation of that's what happened. And he fulfilled the prophecy of restoring the balance. The prophecy to me isn't restore the balance forever yeah. because that's not the nature of life, the nature of the galaxy. Uh, the nature of Star Wars storytelling right now mm-hmm. is that, it, you know, you you fight to to keep things as good as, as they can be. And then naturally uh, the dark side is going to, you know, anger and fear is going to get into people's soul and they're going to push and try again mm. to, to spread that pain to others. And, and it's going to be the next generations or, or your older self's responsibility to go, uh, we restored the balance once, uh, we restored the balance over here. Now we got to do it again, or we got to do it over there. Mm. And so I feel like that's just kind of a part of, of what the Star Wars storytelling is now. Yeah. Yeah. No, so, wonderful points in there. Uh, and how, I think there is, uh, I, uh, not saying that Anakin, our, our, our listener, is 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 doing this, in, in a, and I'm not saying it in a negative way, just by I, I think sometimes this idea of balance and the defeat of Palpatine is definitely something that's conflated, right? Like uh, you said, it's like it's uh, two things in the prophecy did not say, uh, you know, all sheaves shall be cut down by the one. Um, yeah. It's just, so it is ongoing. And then I think because Palpatine returns and people have, you know, strong opinions about that either way, um, and how that seems, I understand the idea of like, well, he, we, we already did this. We killed it. Like, does that mean that the, 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 the victory in, in six was nothing? And it's like, no, that, that wasn't, it wasn't nothing. Laura Santeca talks about val- uh, balance being there. Uh, uh, and then that we need balance without, with the Jedi. And then Luke talks about, yeah, you know, for a while there was balance. It was there. And it's just, so, if, if it wasn't Palpatine, it would be someone else. And already the first order and Kylo Ren and Snoke all, all kind of tied into Palpatine. I think you're right. The cycle will continue. And if we get a 10, 9, 11, boom, it's, it's uh, dark side would be uh, someone else is going to be there to push the dark side further. So it's, it's an ongoing thing that I think it's hard to maybe separate from the name Palpatine, but it's um, it, it, it should be, I guess, from my point of view. Yeah, I guess. Yeah. For me, I, I kind of look at it as what is really, really necessary is to defeat the actions, not necessarily yes. the person, the person, um, yeah, so a couple other thoughts I wanted to share real quick is like, I think it's just always good to keep in mind that we have a choice of how we look at storytelling, how we analyze it, right? We can analyze it, including the real world of what did the uh, creators intend? You know, what interview did uh, Ryan Johnson do or J.J. Abrams or Chris Dario or uh, which uh, two uh, possibly conflicting quotes can you find decades apart from from <laughs> uh, the creator, George Lucas? Uh, sometimes absolutely in sync, sometimes kind of, hey, I changed my mind. Here's the thing. Um, we can look at it in that way. We can also just look at the just the text, right? Mm-hmm. And in the text, uh, it's made clear uh, in the sequels, Luke says in The Last Jedi, and for a long time there was balance. Anakin, uh, Anakin the Jedi, <laughs> as Anakin, our listener, says, uh, does say, restore the balance as I did, Ray. So if, if you want to trust the text, uh, I think Luke and the four spirit of Anakin are kind of uh, reliable sources. <laughs> yeah, yeah. If you're just listening to the text. Uh, so I, yeah, I really take it as Anakin had this uh, uh, amazing victory. That Anakin and, you know, aided by by Luke's compassion 
aided by Leanne and all the individual rebels' choice, they did buy many years of a galaxy where, yeah, she wasn't dead, uh, but the Sith were not actively spreading pain and suffering on the scale that Palpatine did for decades, right? Yeah. Sheev is hanging on a claw arm, claw arm, neutralized, and slowly that impact is growing via the First Order, and the galaxy is falling out of balance again based on his actions as the First Order uh, spreads out and impacts the rest of the galaxy. And you got a Lore Santeca going, uh, the, the the balance isn't possible because the darkness is just going to sweep in, and the Jedi exist to hold the darkness in balance. Yeah. Um, so for me, I, I I think my big thing is I absolutely see the, that I don't think it undermines Anakin's victory at all uh, because I think I think Anakin's victory is personal as well as galactic. You know, he he overcame his own darkness. Uh, he saved what he loved. You know, Luke and in Leia theoretically, uh, and he he wasn't focused on destroying what he hated. He wasn't killing Palpatine to you know. Uh, so that he could take over the power, uh, he was eliminating the threat, right? Yeah. And he successfully did that uh, for years. So I think it's a, a personal victory for Anakin, and we shouldn't overlook that. Mm. And then it is an, a victory uh, for the galaxy because there isn't as much pain and suffering mm-hmm. uh, actively being perpetrated. Yeah, yeah. Though we're looking at you, Moff Gideon. Um, no, I no, absolutely right. I I, I think, uh, and again, it's it's. Um, I love discussing it. I don't. I don't see it as a, as a critique, right? And I, I don't think Mm-mm. our 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 Anakin here, uh, our Anakin, our little Anakin. I don't think he's. I mean, it's just it's something you want to think about. It's something you want to ruminate on. And I, one one for me is, um, you know, I talk often about the complete victory uh, uh, that Leia leads everyone to now, even though she passes during this story. I, I think it's because it's a it's a victory of the people uh, versus just um, not justice. If it was a small accomplishment, but the the, the victory in, in Episode Six is is one that's very uh, a military had to be formed, an army had to be formed, a rebellion had to be formed, and they had leaders and this and that, and the, they had to maybe free the people, right? And then once they free the people, uh, this evil still exists, and now the people must rise up and, and help to- topple it, and that's this complete victory I, I get inspired by in Rise of Skywalker. But but a lot of that is because you know they continued the story, Episode Six. We thought it was all wrapped up. Well, now morning is broken and the story goes on. And I think the storytellers have a responsibility to how do you correctly extend that and get to the point when episode nine, it's it's more of a complete victory for Leia. And for me, I, I'm always going to say they they did it right. They did it right. They rolled up their sleeves and they figured out how to do it versus just some other evil emerges in the galaxy and we get to redo it all again. I think it's very thoughtful. It's very philosophical, everything we're talking about. I think so too. And and one of the reasons I like Rise of Skywalker is there's just like a lot of images that to me reinforce this uh, concept that, you know, Lucas himself has espoused this and you can, you can find videos of him saying that idea. Like, yeah, no, it's the, the, the force goes out of balance when the Sith spread pain and destruction and they're greedy and they want everything. And those are the images in Rise of Skywalker, right? The way Palpatine's lightning is shooting up, destroying all the ships and, and it's Ray standing that literally is the, the, you know, block between that that hate and the rest of the galaxy. The fact that he has been there in hiding, the, the First Order's been out there causing pain, Kylo and Snoke and uh, Gideon and all these, all the other people, you know, doing doing his will are slowly growing this, this uh, yeah. dark side pain. But then he's got this new fleet that's bigger than anything. Every, every ship is, you know, a gun pointed at the galaxy. You know, he's talking about, you know, fear and, and pain and his messages. And what what's literally physically at stake is all of that pain and anger is going to flood out into the galaxy. Yeah. And the galaxy comes to Exegol and goes, no, 
No. <laughs> You're not going to literally flood out over the galaxy. Yeah. Not going to do it. Not going to do it. Yeah. I, I think uh, kind of finalish thought here for me, Ken, is I was trying to put this in personal terms for myself, right? Mm. Uh, and I was kind of thinking about it on like a personal level, right? If if I almost got hit by a bus and somebody pushed me out of the way and then I lived for 35 years with all the ups and downs of life and then I almost got hit by a bus again, I would not be upset or think it wasn't a victory that somebody pushed me out of the way of a bus 35 years ago, right? Uh, uh, I'm glad you've been pushed out of the way of buses, sir. Uh, yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, that that's I I uh, I like that. I like that a lot. Okay. Uh yeah, I I think I think it's just because we can be so focused on on mm-hmm. you know the story, I think it is just important uh I guess for me it, it is very resonant that the story of of Star Wars has reflected we're always going to need to be vigilant to make sure that that pain and cruelty and anger don't spread because it, it, it it's a cycle, right? It's yeah. so easy uh, to give in to our, our, our impulses and let that spread. And if that can be contained in a specific way for a while, every moment where we don't have accelerating pain and anger is great. And we yeah. should be grateful for everyone. And then it, it's not restore the balance forever. It's restore the balance, try to keep the balance, restore the balance again, you know? Yeah. Without the Jedi, the galaxy will be pushed in front of buses. You know. <laughs> I, I, I don't think uh, you can sum it up any better than that. <laughs> no. And, and look, I say it again. I love exploring this. These are wonderful questions to have. And, and I think sometimes uh, even I can be you get on guard in this age of social media where these kind of discussions at a bar, you, you get your tensions, you know, or a picnic. If you don't want to always go to a bar like me, Joseph and Kenobi, uh, you can sometimes <laughs> um you just get pre-defensive, right? Of like, no, 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 right. no, no. And, and I, I think Anakin did a great job of explaining everything about this going in. But yeah, and I think it's it's wonderful discussed. And as always, it's okay to ask yourself, why? Why is that thing there in Star Wars? And let me engage with it. Yeah, and look at it from different filters. Look at it from the perspective of like, yes, the, we have access to the creators and they have quotes. And look at it from, hey, if this was being studied 500 years from now, we lost all those quotes and all you have is the story. Yeah. Just what is the story and what is the story telling you and who in the story do you trust? And like all those things I think are valid in different ways to to look at it and analyze it. And uh, I think you said it so well, Ken, that it can be easy to get into. Are you team like it? Team didn't like it. Yeah. And it's so much fun to just be able to uh, discuss it openly and honestly. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Well done. All right. So that is it for our questions. Uh, thank you, Anakin. Uh, thank you, Commander Cloud and R2-D2 playing bass. <laughs> thank you. We are out of here for today. Thank you all for listening. If you're relatively new to the show, thanks for uh, coming on in here. We can be found on Twitter at Force Center Pod. We are on Instagram and YouTube as well. Now, uh, we want to point out, um, because of our switch to Acast as our podcast host site, we are automatically kind of integrated into YouTube, which means audio versions of our podcast are up on YouTube. Uh, I know a lot of people ask about video. Yeah, we'll throw some videos up there of our faces on other things, maybe from time to time again, maybe some <laughs> things up there. But this is just an easy, it, it flows so nice and workflow is a big thing when you're an independent uh, creator. Uh, so uh, if you want to take your podcast that way, 
we are now on YouTube uh, in full. Uh, Facebook page is Four Center Podcast. Podcast is available on a lot of different spots, including Acast, iHeartRadio, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn, Spotify, Amazon Music, and more on the way. Trying to get to SoundCloud real soon, too, as well, and other places. Merch is available at tpublic.com slash user slash center. And you can go to patreon.com slash force center if you'd like to support us. Uh, and uh, for personal uh, uh, plugs and donations, uh, you can follow me at Ken Knapsack. And I just read a note from like I was Ron Burgundy on my teleprompter. Um, <laughs> it's been a day. It's been a day. Uh, I'm a, uh, you can follow me at Ken Knapsack. Go to my website, Ken Knapsack. We always talk about donations is what the note meant <laughs> of places, charities you can plug in. And I got to tell you, because my morning was a little hectic, I was going to try to find some for what's going on in Kentucky with the deadly tornado. So uh, I failed to do that homework right now because I'm going to look at it. Uh, I would like to focus all of you, if, if that's something you're interested in supporting, supporting the people out there who've uh, lost their lives in this uh, record setting, uh, especially for December, record setting uh, uh, tragic tornado. Mm. Uh, focus on that out there if you want. And uh, going forward, I'll make sure to have the direct links as well. Uh, that sounds uh, very, very good. I think, uh, I think definitely, uh, I support that as well to help people out in whatever is the best way possible. Uh, as we uh, head toward uh, the new year, uh, there is going to be new campaigns um, for a service that I really like called Vote Forward. Their website is votefwd.org. Uh, they have a, a lot of uh, research and science backing it up. That personal uh, encouragement. Uh, to use your power and vote works. So what this service is, is it is a letter that you add a personal note to about why you vote, why you care. Uh, and then you uh, send it uh, out and uh, encourages people to vote and hopefully increases turnout so everyone's voices uh, can be heard in the system that we have. So I uh, highly support that. Vote forward, votefwd.org. Uh, for my personal stuff, you can find me on Twitter, Instagram, TikTok is at Joseph Scrimshaw, and you can check out all my other comedy and life adventures on my website at josephscrimshaw.com. Yeah, and 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 you know, Joseph, I uh, sorry, I I I, want, I did find something specific. I want to shout out our friends at the Bombad Cast, uh, Scotty and uh, Jerry had us on their their charity mm. stream recently. They uh, tweeted out something by the the governor of Kentucky. Uh, you can go to uh, Team WKY Relief Fund KY Gov. Uh, hashtag is together KY and uh, that's uh, seems to be a good spot for donations. It's always during these times, you got to watch for scams and this and that, uh, but mm-hmm. that's governor himself and shout out to uh, the Bombad cast uh, for tweeted uh, for tweeting that out, making it easier for me to find. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. And thanks again to them for having us on uh, their great show a couple weeks back. Absolutely. Absolutely. All right, my friends, big episode, a lot of things uh, discussed. So uh, thank you all for tuning in and hanging out with here uh, us here on Force Center. That is it for this week. So for the omelettes and the frozen pizza race uh, and all the crazy characters in Star Wars, we'll see you next time here on Force Center.
Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. The secret to visibly firmer, summer-ready skin is here. Osea's number one best-selling Andaria Algae Body Oil. Clinically proven to instantly improve skin elasticity and transform dull, dry skin to silky, soft, and unbelievably glowing. Rich yet never greasy, Andaria Algae Body Oil is formulated with sustainably sourced seaweed to help replenish the skin's moisture barrier and seven nourishing active botanical oils for results you can see and feel all over. The best part? It's signature scent. A blend of freshly squeezed grapefruit, cypress, and mango mandarin transports you to sun-kissed summer days. This all-natural scent is unforgettable. Everything Osea makes is clean, vegan, cruelty-free, and climate-neutral certified, so you never have to choose between your values and your best skin. Get healthy, glowing skin for summer with clean, vegan skincare from Osea. Get 10% off your first order site-wide with code GLOW at oseamalibu.com. That's O-S-E-A-Malibu.com code GLOW.